0: A way to this Let me show you a better way you don't have to be face And we are live. Welcome folks to episode 3379 of the Survival podcast. It is Wednesday September the 20th, 2023. And I've got some special guests hanging by right now, T.D. and Matt. Matt is the son. T.D. is the dad. Uh, they went carnivore a while ago, and it has improved. And this is what really hooked me into bringing them on as guests, improved the health of their family. Well, I know that. But also said they improved the health of their homestead and managed to take their homestead to cash flow positive. Now, if there's words that are going to excite me and get me interested in something, the phrase cash flow positive is one of those phrases. I don't care if it's your homestead, a rental property, anything that is cash flow positive that is also an asset is a damn good thing to have. We're going to have them on to talk about that and a whole bunch more in just a few moments. Before we do that, I want to remind you guys that my workshop, TSP23, sold out in four minutes flat. So if you were like, because I got an email today, I'm planning on coming. Well, I'm sorry, I'll put you on the wait list because no, you're not. Um, and I, I hate that. I don't say that to brag. I really hate that I have to tell people, no, that I don't have more room, more space. But there's still an event that you can come meet me at. You can meet Joel Salatin at. You can meet Nicole Sauce at, John Willis at, a bunch of other really freaking awesome people, like 500 people just like you. It's called the Self-Reliance Festival, and it is going to run... Uh, uh, October 14 and 15 is when I'll be there. There's also some pre-event workshops and some post-event workshops, like Zero to Hero with Ham Radio and Joel Salatin after the two-day work, uh, two-day uh, event. We'll be teaching you how to process chickens. That's learning from the master himself. Oh, by the way, Joel will be there for those two days. You'll be able to meet Joel Salatin, the master himself of regenerative agriculture, kind of one of the real pioneers that started and kicked the whole thing off. And he's an amazing dude. And I'll say something for Joel here. There's a lot of people that are big names that come to events like this, and they like kind of show up, talk to you for like three seconds, and then just disappear. He's not one of those. He hangs out just like I and these other folks do. So if you want to come hang out with some really cool people, check out the Self-Reliance Festival. There is a link in the show notes below. And like I said, we definitely hang out and talk to everybody. But with that many people, you only get so much time. What if you wanted more time? What if you wanted, uh, you know, like some preferential parking and some other really cool perks? There's also VIP tickets available for the 14th and 15th. If you check out my website, the survivalpodcast.com, if you already have a ticket, you can upgrade. Or if you haven't bought a ticket yet, there are still some VIP tickets left. This is going to be awesome. You get to come to a special dinner and reception just with... Your fellow VIPs and the uh, the folks that are there as presenters. So you get a lot more time with us that way. Smaller group and an awesome meal as well. So check those out. Those VIP tickets are just badass. With that, let's go ahead and bring our special guests. And I did say guests on today, TD and Matt. Uh, guys, welcome to the Survival Podcast.
1: Hey, Jack. Thanks for having us. We yeah, are so much very excited us. to be here. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm glad to have you guys here. I want to start out with before we dig into carnivore diet in your current homestead. What made you guys relocate to Texas? We were talking about a little bit of like the beauty and the hardship of Texas summers uh right. before this started. You guys lived somewhere up in the northeastern United States and about a decade ago, you you guys relocated to Texas. And I, I imagine T D had more to say about that. Matt was much younger at the time. Um, but you probably at least talked to him about it. What what made you decide to make that? That's a big move.
1: So, and I'll credit you a little bit, you know, because we were watching the YouTubes and uh, listening to the podcast, and you talked all the time about walking to freedom. Okay. And uh, we were studying, like, hey, if we're going to make this radical change, we should put a lot of thought into it. And so we were heavily considering homeschooling laws, Second Amendment, General freedom, um, mm-hmm. income tax, and those are kind of like the three big factors and are part of the factors of why we didn't choose Tennessee and why we did choose Texas. Uh, we were even looking at uh, Montana, mm-hmm. which has some really weird laws about medical freedom and different things. But uh, those are where the major influencing factors on why we chose Texas.
0: And you guys are kind of in the northeastern portion yep. of you maybe don't want to give away your exact location but we Our were talking before like you you at least were smarter than me you picked the part where it rains
1: <laughs> yeah it just rained uh an hour ago <laughs> yeah
0: yeah um and, and somewhere along the way not only did you walk to freedom you walked to a different diet choice and you guys started mm-hmm. living as carnivores uh yep. why the carnivore diet you,
2: well we first started out with a more whole foods diet and we did that for a couple of years and then we had um my mom had a health scare with her thyroid and
1: you can probably explain that better what happened. Yeah, and it was very interesting because we have a YouTube channel, yeah. we were getting lots of comments, you know, uh hey, your wife's throat looks swollen and different mm-hmm. things, you should get that checked out. Well we were getting hundreds of comments to the point where I had to like filter out the word. And, um, so we went to a couple of doctors. They both immediately like looked yeah. like they were, you know, like it was really bad. Um, she had a bunch of imaging work done. They said, you need to get that thing cut out. So we went to MD Anderson. Um, but prior to that, we started implementing different things like the Gerson therapy and a lot of plant based and really refining our diet to try to come up with a solution. Yeah. And long story short, that's when we cut out all
2: sugars. We went gluten-free, dairy-free, um, and we were just strict whole foods, and then pretty much we're just straight vegans. Yeah, pretty much plant-based.
1: Plant-based, 100%. And, and um, th- what what became very frustrating about that was, I'm like, man, I still kind of feel old. Well, I-, I always chuffed it up as just being old. Well, I'm 47. I guess this is what being old is like. Oof. It just sucks, you know? And uh, it was so frustrating, just not sleeping um, Not having the energy. I I developed this uh, yeah. shoulder condition, which spread into my neck and back, and come to find out that was just like a arthritic condition, and it created all these issues with my shoulder. Yep. Um. But then a hundred about a little over a hundred days ago, my wife had been doing a a lot of research and reading, and another homestead channel, Homestead Hal, um, started posting a lot about the carnivore diet and all the tremendous health mm-hmm. benefits. He was having and she came to me and she was like, Hey, how about we try this as a family? And I'm like, Yeah, if everybody's on board, let's do it. And it's it's been uh it's it has been incredible. I mean the health benefits 100%. sleep, um well, yeah, because your shoulder went from
2: at like you n- literally couldn't even use it like at all to now you can do like forty five, fifty push ups in a row. Yeah. And it's like it's healing up incredibly yeah, well. Yeah, continues to improve. And you have like zero pain, and now you can actually sleep all the way through the night. Yeah, because you've never been able to actually do that. You right. can wake up like several times throughout the night, go through like
1: several weeks of not sleeping at all, and just really, really bad. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been it's been transformative for all mm-hmm. of us. For my wife who neither of us were ever overweight, but I lost about like ten pounds. She lost about thirty pounds. Yeah. We would always exercise obsessively yeah. <laughs> and no real success with that. And um The other scary thing about the whole plant based diet and being like a vegan
2: and everything is you are <clears throat> sorry, super reliant on grocery stores and Amazon. And buying all these products and all of these pills and supplements and everything and protein powders and stuff. But um, we were like, you know what we're really good at is growing beef. Like this is beef country up here in Northeast Texas. It is like, it's easy to do it. Um, And I mean, our grocery bill practically went down to zero um, only for like a couple. For mainly butter, we do buy butter now. And, um, occasionally bacon. But other than that, and maybe some barbecue sauce here and there. Rarely we <laughs> even use barbecue sauce. Yeah. Normally it's just butter, salt, and I, I use a little tiny bit of pepper. Yeah. Um, and, um, um, electrolytes. We do buy that. Um, but we are, we pretty much went from, uh, 20% self-sufficient to about, for our food, almost yeah, pretty much 98 to 100% self sufficient, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny the way some people react to this. Like, I had a guy email me recently, and I found this to be comical and sad. He's like, if you're eating carnivore, and I, you know, me, I'm like 90% carnivore. I eat some vegetables mm-hmm. once in a while, mm-hmm. um, tomatoes, peppers, and greens is like, yep. you know, 90% of that. He's like, yeah. how does your blood sugar not go to zero? I'm like, oh my God, crack a biology textbook, right? So I told him yeah. about gluconeogenesis, which is basically your body makes carbs on demand if it needs any, and you don't need very many. And I challenged him to go find me an essential carbohydrate. He didn't right. know what that meant, right? So I'm okay. like, okay, so there are essential proteins, meaning your body cannot manufacture those proteins, and you must consume them, or you don't get them, and you will die eventually. First you'll malnourish, and then you'll die. There are essential fats that you cannot manufacture, that you must obtain from your diet. And if you do not get them, you will die. It won't be (laughs) overnight, but you will show me a single carbohydrate in any form that if I don't get Mm. it, I will get sick and or die. And then he got very angry. Mm. You know, very, very angry because facts don't have feelings and that makes people upset. Um, but the idea that your blood sugar would go to zero. I'm like, there's, there's literally millions of people doing this, and I've never seen anybody with a blood sugar issue that's on a carnivore diet. I have seen people yeah. with blood sugar yeah. issues that are on carbohydrate diets, either very high or very low or giant. More often, it's these huge swings, yeah. and that yeah. causes, like, all kinds of problems. I, I remember before I did it, like, I would be out, and I didn't eat a certain amount of time. All of a sudden, I start blowing sweat. I'm like, I got to eat. Yeah, yeah. And that is just, there's no way that's healthy.
1: Yeah. Nope. Yeah, yep. and it just really, you know, it took off. And then the other thing that happened almost simultaneously is we had a we found a great microprocessor very close to us that had a very flexible schedule mm-hmm. and they could get our cows in and out and they would text us back and forth. It was so great. And we said, Hey, if if it's this Simple and easy and this small family processing plant, if they can do this for us, we could probably um, offer our beef to our subscribers. Yeah, our community, to our our local community. Yeah, and it it just (laughs) exploded. And here we are, you know, here we're in northeast Texas and I do have about 400 fruit trees. Fruit trees Mm -hmm. are kind of like my thing. I, I love it, grafting and all that cool stuff. And then we've always tried to grow these gardens. And, of course, you know, during the Rona scare, you know, you're trying to grow, like, a garden to feed, like, an army of a thousand people.
2: Well, especially <laughs> when we were pl- we were plant-based, too. Right. Well,
1: so, yeah. Was, yeah. Well, now you got it,
0: right? Yeah. It was an uphill
1: battle. I mean, <laughs> we were never going to win. I mean, and we And we never really... We we always did okay, and we never really succeeded. We always we did yeah. better with hugo culture raised mm-hmm. beds. Yeah, but it was it was so uh, discouraging and frustrating because we're still we're trying to develop this craft and feed ourselves, and we're eating and we still feel like crap, yeah. and we're not even really doing we're a good job, good job at growing sick. our own food.
2: Yeah, we were still getting sick every thirty days too. That was kind yeah. of the weird thing going into this year. Eating only whole foods, no junk food whatsoever, and still getting sick on a 30 day cycle. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. Very, very not like deathly sick, but just like this weird, like uh, respiratory sickness, which just would really never go away.
1: So, and we didn't come from any kind of agriculture or agrarian background. You know, we moved from a neighborhood, we moved down here basically to the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And, what I am so fascinated, one, we're we are in cattle country. Um, if you drive in any direction, you will pass herd after herd. I drive about forty minutes to work and I'll probably pass two or three hundred yeah. different um cow farms, you ranches, know. Yeah. And most of these ranches, they're all they're um they may be vaccinating or whatever, but all these cows are being raised on grass. True. Sure. They are you know, they're not, um, there's no CAFOs and these are, and most no. of these people are like dyed in the wool, like 70, 80 years old, and yeah. they're still raising cows. Yep. And it, it's such a, uh, it's such a powerful thing. And, uh, it's, it's neat when we can tap into that. And, you know, we, we've, we've always, we've had, uh, up to a couple hundred Muscovies. Yep. We, we still have about 90 laying hens mm-hmm. and, if you have the grass and the fence, raising a cow is by far, hands down, the easiest animal. Yeah, and that's
2: coming from um, experience and like butchering hundreds of chickens and ducks. <laughs> and it's like, we're, while we're butchering them, we're like, we could butcher one cow, one,
0: one, one cow, cow, right? Yeah, and we could have hundreds of pounds of meat. You have a hundred pounds of ground.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. You got 100 pounds of ground. Because I usually get 50 to 60 pounds when I buy a half beef of just it's the ground. It's like, yeah.
2: Yeah. man. Yeah. So we were like, ditch it. It's been we're a like, super game changer. We're it's like, been, ditch it. We'll yeah. just butcher our own cows. Yeah. If I
0: had the space and the climate, I'd, I'd probably raise a couple, a few beef every year and, and a few people. Yeah. And then I yeah. would sell the surplus, kind of like you guys are doing. I just don't yeah. have land for it. And I really don't have it's not that I don't have the climate for it. I don't have the piece of land in the climate that makes it doable because of how shallow my soils are here and maintaining grass throughout the year is hard. But I will agree there. And I, I agree big animal that can take care of itself, you know, a mother cow. And you end up with, you know, especially if it's like one coyote, that coyote's going to get that shit kicked out of it. right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Right now I have a, a hawk that's picking off some of my Bantam chickens. I have too many Bantam chickens. So, Hopefully it's a migratory hawk and he can have a few on his way through. But, you know, it, hawks do, and falcons and, and don't eat cows. You know, nope. I'm sure they would if they could, but they can't. Yeah. Out, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. But meat in general is the most nutrient dense and easiest thing you'll do. I, I would even say eggs, mm-hmm. too. I mean, like the, the bird, yeah. you open the door to birds, go do their thing. They go to bed at night. Yeah. You pick the eggs up and you eat them. And when when we're using you don't weed them, you don't have to weed your eggs. Yeah, no, (laughs) and we're
2: using the uh, lime method, and we were able to uh, stock up 600 of our own eggs this year, and that got us through the Texas drought through the summer months when our hens pretty much stopped laying. So it's almost like we get. um, Somebody's blowing up my phone. It's almost like we get two um, droughts. Uh, for the hens during the year, mm-hmm. it's Same. summer months and the winter months. Same, but then you got the fall and the spring where they really crank them out, and that's when we'll always have this surplus of eggs. And we're like, "What are we gonna do with them?" And I think it, it's called it's called water lime. Yeah, right. I've seen or it. Pitch. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we use three gallon buckets work the best. We've tried five gallons, but I think they kind of get crushed in there a little bit. On that, the three gallon buckets, and we got like like eight of them or so, and we put them in our pantry underneath um like on the bottom shelves so where they'll be nice and dark, and we've had really good success with them, really good success
0: i have seen that method uh, I would do it if my wife water sell.
2: that's what it's called yeah, water yeah, and
0: it looks so simple. you mix lime water, you put the eggs in there, and then they're good. Um, yeah. my yeah. wife sells all the surplus eggs, so. I don't actually get enough eggs for myself. So I'm not (laughs) complaining about money though and the birds for themselves. But it seems like it also seems like the thing that is really more uh, optimum for doing with uh, chickens. Chicken eggs tend to be clean when you pick them up. Mm -hmm. Duck eggs, not so much. So we end up washing the duck eggs. And of course, you don't want to wash the eggs if you're doing the lime thing. But I think that everybody in this audience, if you, have that issue. We have like a surplus of eggs and then an egg drought. You need to look this up. The water glassing or liming eggs is another thing you'll find. It is so simple. And I've seen videos where people keep them a year and crack them to show you. Yep. Yep. And there's yep. nothing special about it. Like you said stick them in the pantry and don't worry about it. Yeah. And I think, under, yeah. I think another thing people need to know with eggs, stop worrying about eating a bad egg. You won't yes. do it. If you open an egg that has gone oh. bad, you will yeah. put your eyes and your nose will tell you. Don't eat that egg.
2: Yep. Yeah. The only thing that I would say that's a little bit tricky with the water glassing is, um, and if you have little little ones, little kids, don't let them get them out of there because exactly. if they act <laughs> where then the egg drops and then it's game over. Yeah. So you know yeah. you just have to be careful taking the egg out of there. Yep.
0: Yeah, I've I've learned yep, about yep. little hands and eggs over the years. Throw <laughs> so yep. eggs and crop eggs, and uh, that has got it. Okay, uh, you, you kind of mentioned some of your health benefits. Can you talk about maybe some other things that like you've noticed? Like, just I guess just how you feel and all, but like you're not getting these these uh, thirty day cold cycles or anything anymore. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, with me, I have a an arthritic condition in my shoulder, so that the head of my shoulder has shrunken like forty percent. And what had happened, um, my labrum, I, I got about thirty percent of my labrum missing. So they went in there and cleaned it all out and took the scar tissue out. Mm-hmm. Um but it it was loose and whatnot, you know. Yeah, it would clunk around. And and I knew that I knew that the scar tissue would come back, you know, once they clean that all out if there's still an issue there. Um so I had uh stem cell therapy done, my stem cell, and that was excellent for reducing the inflammation but yep. even that plateaus so rate right when that was about to plateau um at that same time is when we started the carnivore diet yeah and um instead of plateauing uh the inflammation has stayed gone the pain has stayed gone um Prior to Carnivore, I could not do a sissy push-up. No.
2: Also, they were telling you, the shoulder surgeon said, yeah, you are you just need a total shoulder replacement. Yeah, four, four shoulder surgeons yeah. told me that. Yep.
1: Just, you need a total he replacement. He said, your
2: shoulder looks like you're an 80-year-old man. Yeah.
1: You know? Yep. So that has been um, miraculous. Uh, sleep has yep. been excellent. Um, no type of I, – I was hypoglycemic before – Um, No type of sugar stable, like you were saying, how when you start to sweat stuff and you need to eat um, none of that, no no getting up to go take a leak like four times a night, Um, actually sleeping. And if I do wake up, I fall back to sleep. Yeah. Um, uh, Energy level completely different. Uh, I didn't even you know, you, you hear a lot of people talk about brain fog and I had never even considered it. I'd never I didn't think. Once again, I'm like, well, I guess that's getting old, right? I start the carnivore thing, and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I had like, I had like massive brain fog, and I didn't even realize it. And now that I'm eating meat based, like, I'm not like, oh, yeah, what's that basic word I use all the time that I'm trying <laughs> to think of? That? And that totally went away. It's, it is like, uh, very, it, it's, it's very dramatic. That's why we always encourage, hey, just try it. You know? Yeah. And it, the weird resistance to this when, is in the pudding. <laughs> when we're watching this gigantic push and people having all the successes like, oh, are you planning to do this for the rest of your life? And, yeah. um yeah.
0: Well, what, what about I your feel, bowel
1: movements? I'm,
2: I
0: feel amazing, <laughs> so why would I want to stop? I mean... <laughs> How so, are your bowel movements? <laughs> my 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 favorite one is it's not sustainable. Oh, yeah. It is so, not, it's not sustainable. I'm like, okay, let, let's start out with what do you mean yeah, by sustainable? Can so we start with do you it's mean like, I can't keep doing it, or do you mean it's environmentally not sustainable? Because I can do both no. of those. But the first thing is you're, you're you're throwing a word out, and I don't know if you know what you're saying. Or yeah. that you heard somebody on a TikTok video say it, so you're parroting it, because it uh, you know, it entrenches goes, your yeah. worldview. And usually yeah. what they mean is you can't keep doing it forever. And I'm like, well, there's millions of us who have been doing it for decades. Yeah. And we're yeah. all healthy. And all the doctors I see talking about how unhealthy it is, unless they're some kind of gym rat or something, they're all kind of pudgy and out of shape and whatever. Yes. And the doctors that are doing it are like Sean Baker and Ken Berry and shit. And these guys are all in their 50s yeah. and 60s. And they look like me, not you. So I don't know that it's not sustainable that way, right? You know why? Like you said, why would I quit? Like so, I was my health was shitty. Here, this is almost embarrassing, but I'll put it up anyway. This is a picture from me from right about the time that I started DSP. I was in my thirties in this picture. Wow. Wow. Getty Images wants to charge people to use it. I don't think anybody's going to pay them for it. (laughs) <laughs> and let them, them off me or some shit, right? But that's what I looked like about 14 years ago. And so am I going to keep doing this? Well, I don't want to fucking look like that again. Right, exactly. Right? Why the hell would I want to be that guy again? I certainly don't wish to be. Of course I'm going to keep doing it. And, you know, I've experienced a lot of what you guys are talking about with aches and pains. I had a pretty nasty shoulder injury when I was 19 years old in the Army. They wanted to do surgery on it. And I always was just really hesitant to let anybody cut into my body especially that young and it just was chronic and ongoing especially I had arthritis as a 20 year old and I would go to bed and I'd lay in bed and I would have to sleep on my side and honestly on the side of the hurt arm because it wasn't stable so by putting weight on it 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 hurt less but of Mm -hmm. course now you're doing damage to it and I couldn't lay on my back if I woke up in the middle of the night and I was totally relaxed from sleeping. I could lay on my back. Now I go to sleep on my back. I'm like I can go to sleep any way I want to. Yeah. Like, and that's something I think if you've never experienced it, and I think there's people that probably don't even get it, even though they have the bad part of it. If you haven't experienced like not being able to sleep in certain positions and then have that go away, I don't know that you can appreciate it.
1: Nope, you cannot. You, can, I totally agree because that was exact. That was me to a T. Um, I could only sleep on my side. Um, I favored the bad side for the same exact reasons. And all that did was make it worse. That made the condition worse and it exacerbated it. And now I sleep on my back. I can actually sleep. Um, now I will say this. A lot of people say that their snoring goes away. I still do occasionally snore, but as soon as I snore, I wake myself up. That's how I know that I, uh, but, um, yeah, just a dramatic, the dramatic improvement. And we were just on an, um, they just did like a twenty-four hour live stream. Uh Homestead How did this carnivore thing and it had all these people with the testimonials and all that stuff. And um, I mean it's fascinating. He's putting together, he's raising funds to do a documentary, mm-hmm. right? And he's got Baker and Shafee and Dr. Barry, he's got all these doctors involved. And I, I can't get over the fact that people are just denying the scientific evidence and the accumulating data now, it almost kind of becomes like you just have to be willingly ignorant and you just want to have to embrace, I don't know, eating the bugs or something. I'm not, I'm yeah. not exactly sure what the movie? is. I think is.
0: science has lost all credibility, so I'm not surprised. I, I right, was right. surprised prior to the COVIDs, but since then I'm not, I'm not surprised by anything the scientific community does, no matter how ridiculously in the face it is. And I'm waiting for somebody. I'm hoping Ken will do it. What I want to see is somebody do a documentary where they get like, you know, they do the thing where they put the people in the house and walk them in and say, this is all you get. And, you know, take like six, eight people who really need to do it. People that are anywhere from 50 pounds to a couple hundred pounds overweight. Do all their labs. Take it to some doctors and say, what would you recommend for this patient? And you know, not just the labs, only how old they are, their height, weight, all of it. Like, And then say, well, what do you think about putting this person on a carnivore and or keto diet? And then let, just let them go off. And then just go, like, already have done it and have, like, 120 days in, the lab work for the same people and go, well, what do you think of this lab work? And let them go on and say, well, th- these are the same six people you just said shouldn't. And this is what they did. Right, Exactly. And I think we'd end up having to blur faces because they wouldn't want to be on record with it. Because I think it would, because I know myself. Like my lab work was like my doctor's, like you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be on freaking statins and other shit for the rest of your life. And I'm like, I'm just not doing that. And I made this decision. And like you said, I'm not going back. Why? 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 And that's the thing. I've, I've met so many people. Well, I was vegan. I've not met a lot of people. I was carnivore. I was keto. And if I do, there are people that they never really were. Like their yeah, entire exactly. keto life was making cheese balls or something like that in fake mm-hmm. bread or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. get off of that. If that's what you need to transition over, if that's what gets you started, okay. That's but right. your goal needs to get to is clean one ingredient foods. What's the, the other beauty
1: of this way of eating is it's self rectifying. Because when you go off of it, you immediately feel terrible, mm-hmm. and so you're just like, and and uh, I was I just had an interview on our podcast, the Fearless Podcast, and um, it was uh, Simeon, and he's he quoted Michaela Peterson. I think it's a Michaela Peterson quote, and she said, "Nothing tastes as good as feeling great, feeling healthy feels," and I'm like, that is it. In an absolute nutshell, because you're like, when you go to cheat and eat the tiramisu or whatever, yeah. mm-hmm. and then you do it, and you're like, because you know, I'm like, I know I'm going to feel like crap. Yep. I'm going to feel like trash, and I'm going to mm-hmm. pay the piper for this. And then you're like, yeah, I'm not doing it. Now, if it's superly awesome, incredible mm-hmm. tiramisu, maybe you will do it. But yeah. uh, if it's marginal, you're like, yeah, I'm never doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So – and what I think is interesting is how little you need to do with things to make them amazing. So this weekend, I was doing a bunch of stuff to get ready for my workshop, and I'm like doing pork loins, and we're uh, we're CVing those so my chef can bust them into chops and give everybody a one-inch center-cut pork chop for one of the lunches and stuff like that. And I took like a piece of one of the loins and did a tie roast with it and smoked it, and I was making some stuff called Bastrama out of beef. So I had some eye of rounds and I took the fat caps off the eye of rounds. And I'm like, pork loin dries out. So I threw the fat cap from the beef on top of the pork loin and let it go for a while. And then I pulled it off after and let it kind of render. And this is, we were supposed to eat the pork loin for dinner. We ate it the next day because this is what we ended up doing. We just took the fat caps off the eye of rounds And for those that are uh, in the video version of this, if you look at that, my wife and I ate that and we were done. Like we didn't want to eat anything else. It was like, that's like 70% fat and like 30%, you know, the little bit of red that came off with the fat caps because I was in a hurry and didn't do my best work, but it was kind of like eating instant beef bacon. Yeah. And the satiating, sorry, the satiating effect of meat and fat is something that I think most people don't understand. Because like we have a question, I'll I'll hit it right now. Um Hogus says, Can you cover carnivore snacks to help eliminate night hu- eliminate night hunger? If you do this and you stick to it, you guys tell me if I'm wrong. You won't have night hunger. Nope. 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 But don't and drink I- at night either. If you start drinking I- booze, then you you yeah. will. Right? Like that's Yeah.
1: And and one thing that I did for a for a sleep cheat is I would just do uh, a little chunk of butter, yeah. And um, and it's just and the other thing, you right know, away. That, we're was, we're not you know, um super hardcore. You know, we we I use honey, so
2: we um, do use honey. We do drink coffee, and we do have um frozen berries.
1: Yeah, but, but I, I will do just a drop of honey. On a butter cube, and you eat mm-hmm. that, and it's almost like caramel. It's just so yep. good, and that makes sure that I'm solid.
2: Also, all the, way the other thing too that we'll do is we will do like um like a bowl full of blueberries or something like that mm-hmm. too.
0: Yeah, yeah. If
2: you're just feeling like you just need to have something, and you're just you just got done dinner. Most of the time, though, if you got done dinner and you still feel hungry, it means you didn't have enough fat yeah. Yeah. in your dinner. So that's normally. Um, and you will be amazed. Okay,
1: so if you've never eaten like this, you will be amazed. One, how you crave the fat. Two, how delicious it tastes. Three, it's how inordinately satisfying. It's it is.
2: like your brain turns on. Yeah, like yeah, it's crazy. like everything changes. I think the other thing too is, is people get desensitized to how terrible they actually feel. So they're like, oh, I don't feel that bad eating normal whole yep, foods. That is so true. Why, why would you go carnivore? That sounds stupid you're like, no, seriously, you don't understand. Like once you actually try it for like over 30 days, you're like, you actually realize how terrible you actually were feeling and your mood swings and everything were on the normal whole foods organic diet yeah.
1: was. And right. I'll prove it to you. Go to a high quality, you know, a uh, whole food store. Like, you know, we have a couple, uh, you know, Nat, uh, Jack's or, uh, one of these natural food stores. What you're going to see is you're going to see shelves of processed stuff in bags. Yeah, yeah. right. With yeah. with with twenty, thirty, forty ingredients, right? Yep. And that's where all your money's going. And you think yeah. because it says it's healthy and it's natural and it's organic, it's still There's super a picture
0: fun. of a farm on it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's all marketing.
0: It says and it's USDA, very expensive. It's a USDA
1: yeah. organic on it. So yeah, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Also, I, thing is,
2: there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I couldn't ever afford that." Actually, yes you could. If you would stop going to Starbucks and getting crackers and cheeses and all these little stupid foods, you could totally afford a 2 pounds or a pound and a half steak, you know, you could totally afford. Yeah.
0: it. Uh, somebody here said they they based most of their diet on pork shoulder because it was a buck 60 a pound. Right? Right. Yep. So that, you know, you don't have to eat ribeye every day. I don't eat ribeye. I like ribeye. Don't get me wrong. Yep. I like, <laughs> ribeye, but I don't eat ribeye every day. Yeah. Uh, but I've also told people you could eat two ribeyes a day for 60 days and find out. That's, if I offered you, most people, if I said, I will give you a million dollars in a suitcase and $20 bills, cash, to go to jail for 60 days. They're going to jail for 60 days, <laughs> right? They're just, oh, okay. You know, like, am I going to get shipped or anything? That'll be in, like a regular jail. You know, you won't be like with the hardcore guys or anything. You'll be fine. You'll eat crappy lunches and stuff, but, and you'll be yeah. bored and you'll play solitaire, but you go to jail 60 days. Here's a million dollars. You're going to jail. So you can eat steak for 60 days and change your life. And if you decide it didn't work, you can go back. Yeah, but I found it to be a very one-way process. And you keep using a word. I think it might have been Michaela that you were talking about earlier that said this. Uh, there was a documentary Ken Berry was in, and she said something to the effect of, "I don't call it cheating because cheating is something that benefits me. So, like, if I cheat on a test and I get an A, I get ahead. Right. If I'm an athlete and I use steroids and I build my muscles up and I and I'm a football, I can push the other guy down." It benefits me. If I eat something that's crappy, I'm not cheating. I'm harming myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I found that to be kind of profound. When I watch stuff like that, I don't hear a lot of things that I think are really profound. That was kind of profound. It was a different way to angle it because then you're less likely to do it, I guess. Right.
1: A lot of it is totally a state of mind. A lot is just implement it because people always say, how do you start? Super easy. Cook yeah. meat and eat it. That's yeah. how, that's literally how you start, right? <laughs> yeah. Eat till you're full, yeah. right? And then you're not gonna snack. And that's that's how you start the process. I would say
2: this too. Also, the Instapot, since we are a family of eight, it is a lot of meat that mm-hmm. we do go through. We go through one cow a month. Yeah. To put it in <laughs> perspective, Yeah. Four to five hundred yeah. Four to five hundred pounds of beef a month so um,
0: that, that's, yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyway the instapot is where it's at and also chuck roast even though we do grow our own beef um in between selling our own beef and then harvesting our own meat, beef there are certain weeks that we actually have to go out to the grocery store and pick up some beef just to carry us through a couple of days until we get our uh, beef from the butcher yeah, shop. Yeah, our last our last so two
1: months we were so aggressive marketing it. We sold, you know, because we sold our own supply. Yeah, we sold our own supply. So the
2: <laughs> chuck roasts have been amazing, though. Oh yeah. Take you yeah. take um, two or three of those bad boys and you shove them in the Instapot with some butter and
0: salt and pepper. Yeah. those things Boom. are amazing. Also, Do you guys know about Denver steak and chuck eye, right? No. no. no okay, that? so when those chuck roasts are on sale, they usually bust them off. through about three or four inches thick. Yeah. And they yep. just take that whole chuck, and they just boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Well, that first cut, if you and you'll know it when you see it, there'll be this thing that looks a lot like a ribeye on one side of it, and it'll huh. be this really beautifully marbled piece on the other. Mm. If you take one of those and just basically, you might need a knife a little bit, but you pull it apart, that chuck eye is like the poor man's ribeye, and I personally think they taste better. And that yeah. other piece, you cut that up, that's called a Denver steak. Now, when you go, like, when they have it on sale, like, one out of five of them will be that first piece. And huh. a lot of stores now, because they're getting money for the chuck eyes, are taking the eyes out. But oh, yeah. that's a cool little hack. And then the other uh, thing is you can take that Denver steak and either make steaks out of it, or you can cut it in strips and treat it like, um which is kind of what you're doing with the Instant Pot, treat it like short ribs. Yeah, if you braise yeah. it; it tastes just like short ribs. Mm. Yeah, mm. and most like, of the restaurants you go to, you get braised short ribs. It's chuck.
2: Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Also, the big thing that's been helping out too—that is a real treat—is we got a big old pit smoker, and oh, my brother James so is a absolute beast on the smoker, and he put a gigantic eighteen-pound brisket in there. Yeah. And smoked it for nine and hours covered it in bacon and covered it, it was all was in bacon. So
1: <laughs> it was beyond
2: good and then the next morning we had it for breakfast and it was even better it was yeah. so, yeah, so
1: incredible.
0: incredible that's a lot of guys now because brisket's gotten so high they're usually taking like a chuck roll or a, mm-hmm. a shoulder clod, yeah. and they're smoking it like a brisket and it's it's so it, to me it's not the same but it's just as good
1: it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, just it's, as good.
0: Yeah. I have never had a slow cooked, low and slow piece of beef and been like, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's never but, happened. Like you know, it, it, the worst is good, I and know. the yeah. best is incredible. You know, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just that steaks are good too, so you don't lower <laughs> low and slow everything. But um, yeah. yeah, you guys have reduced your waste too. You say by seventy five percent. Can you talk about that because when I get the sustainable objection, again, it comes from yeah. two places. It's environmentally unsustainable or it is physically unsustainable. So we've already – that's dead. That's We're done dead. with that discussion. To me, there's nothing more sustainable than beef because it eats grass, the grass grows back, and the cow eats it again, and the cr- cow craps <laughs> yes. on the grass, and the grass grows better. The soil yes. gets better and the roots go deeper. We move to perennial. We sequester carbon, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Everything you claim you want, this is what a cow does. does, Right. So we've got that, but then, you know, like the waste stream is something I don't think it's talked about a lot because if you look at most of the waste that's produced in a household, it doesn't come from meat, right? Anything that's left over (laughs) with meat, I have these these three giant things with fur and teeth that run around and protect the property. If there is anything I won't eat, they will happily destroy it. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of waste stream when you move to this type of diet, the cow eats grass, you eat the cow, poop goes back to the ground, we're done, right?
1: Yeah. 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 So, you know, we had, we're preppers and we we have a large pantry and obviously you have lots of canned goods, whether it's glass canning or whether it's canned cans, right? And, and then you have these other shelf-stable products, whether you're using like Uh, yeah, uh, coconut milk or whatever. So you know, we were we were more rice, plant based, right? And everything comes in a package, right? So you you take it out of the package, you prepare your meal, you throw it in the trash can. We used to have a, a, like a roughly a, eighteen gallon trash can in our kitchen. Well,
2: I mean, we used to actually have a fifty five gallon trash can. That's
1: that's true. We did actually have a full size real trash. We would fill that
2: bad boy up every day.
1: Every day. (laughs) Yeah. And now we have a very small tote that has like, a sealable lid that's about little less than, than about twenty four twenty four inches tall, yeah. and about eight inches wide. Yeah. And we fill Baby that foot. up once a week. Yeah. Yeah. Because you either have the vacuum seal stuff on your beef or it's a
0: paper wrapper. And sometimes the paper uh, wrapper we, we a burn. A butter wrapper or, yeah. or a right. butter, butter box, box, or whatever. So butter yeah. yeah. wrapper's compost. I mean how yep. you know? Really. Um yeah, so the big waste stream, waste stream is really like to me paper and cardboard can be a waste stream, but they really are organic and I don't mean that in the way the government uses it. Isn't it's a living product, it's cellulose that can go back to becoming soil. Plastic, no. And so you got all these people blathering on about sustainability and, and what have you and yeah. and then they're blathering on about the straws are gonna kill the fricking turtles or whatever over some flawed science experiment by a nine year old. Cause you know, they never get things wrong. Uh, yeah. and then they have bags and bags and bags of plastic crap in their house. Yeah. And you're like, like we used to go, well, I don't know if we'll ever go again. I don't think they're going to reveal it. Sanibel Island is like our favorite place to go to. And the bar there w- went to paper straws with their drinks that are in plastic cups. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he just he <laughs> in awe of this lunacy, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it is a very low waste uh, process when you look at things like, especially if somebody's doing like a dairy operation or making their own butter. They don't even need wrap for the butter. You put the butter in a glass dish and then you yep. wash the dish and use it again. Um, there's not a lot of waste stream when you're when you're dealing with animal product.
1: Yeah, no, nope. I mean, and it, it was—I mean, it was so uh, overly apparent that I was just like, "Wow, have you?" Because you know, when you when you run the trash out to the can, and I've always been—I've—I have always hated throwing stuff away and yeah. creating trash because it's just like, you know, this can isn't magic. You know, when you put this stuff in there, it goes somewhere. They bury it in the ground. It's yeah. there forever, and yeah. it would always bother me. So we would try to be conscious of that yeah. and then we make the switch and I'm like dude we should just like eliminated three quarters of all the waste we were Literally. generating like, talk yeah. about sustainability that yeah. is real practical measurable like instantaneous and uh yeah, it's, yeah. It, it was very self-apparent
0: you know the movie Idiocracy where they have Garbage Mountain and that's how Luke Luke's uh, what is his name Luke uh, whatever his name is his character wakes up in the future because his uh, little pod comes down off Garbage Mountain when they dump the last bit on it. And, of course, a movie like that takes everything to the extreme. But when you're driving out toward your direction from mine, like heading toward Texarkana from here, there's Mm -hmm. a place on Highway 30 that you see off to the southern side of the highway, this giant mountain. And it's a landfill. And it's (laughs) all garbage from Dallas-Fort Worth. And of course it's all sealed with clay and all, and I don't know what they'll eventually do when they're done with it, but it literally, it has a flat top so it won't go, you know, turn into a garbage avalanche, but it's literally the garbage mountain from idiocracy. Yeah. And it ain't beef. Nobody's throwing steaks in there.
2: Nope.
0: Nobody's throwing short ribs in there, you know, or riblets, you know, like (laughs) I said, well, you don't eat the dog's will. Um, it it also you stayed in your uh your show app that it uh simplified your prepping. I guess we're obvious, but y'all want to talk to that a bit?
1: Yeah, you know, so we as it's funny that we had already we had already developed seven freezer system, you know, and then we have a couple backup generators. So we yeah. kinda set that room up to be ready for power outages, which happened a lot. And um but what it did to simplify our prepping, I mean, we were keeping because we were we had an active prepper pantry where we would cycle through it every sixty to ninety days eight eight family members. I mean, you burn through food and it's very easy to you're burning through massive amounts of carbs, you know uh by by design. that's just the way it's it is and um once we eliminated all of those foods, now it's like you're dealing with this nutrient dense thing, you pull it out of the freezer, you throw it in a pan. Your prep time's less. Um, there's less weight. I mean, it's it's so, It's and, and my wife is just like so elated because she was very active at managing her pantry and keeping it stocked and trying to source things, you know, when yeah. toilet paper disappears and all this stuff. But um, once she streamlined that, we're, we're systematically selling off a lot of our carb stores just because we're probably not ever going to use them. Now hey if things get really tough, um, sure you know you, you know what you want, take what you can get yeah but um, it yeah. has super simplified the prepping process um, and and it the other thing it's done is it's condensed our calories down into bite-sized packages and it's nutrient dense so mm-hmm. uh, so we we're focusing on that you know it just it really streamlines everything.
0: I, I would concur. I mean, you make sure that the cow has food, and the cow can have babies. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's ready to go. The beauty of it, like if there's going to be another cow next year, right, or some more cows next year, and you can yeah. keep the breeding yeah. going, you got cows, and if you got cows, you got food. And if you got grass, cows have food. And, and now, go ahead.
1: Uh, now what we're doing with our cows, now that we understand this fat ratio and how infor- important fat is, yeah. we've been raising longhorn and we've had various other breeds that we, that we've had in our herd. Uh, now we're looking for an optimal type of heritage breed, maybe something like a belted Galloway that grows out in 14 months, has a nice high fat content, um, uh, a lot, what we're finding through research with low line or shorter cows is they live seven years longer. So our mama cows will have a longer uh, birthing life. They'll live longer. They fatten faster. Yep. Their conversion ratio is better. So now we're looking to optimize our herd for production and to get that fat content on the back end that we're looking for.
2: Yeah. And they, uh, they take one third less grass too, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, I've been listening to these guys on the bar, uh, called Barn Talk is their podcast, and I, I just listened to their TikToks and uh the one guy was talking about how and they do they're both hog farmers. And they were talking about how years ago they used different breeds of hogs because the hog farmer made more money in the past on the fat, on the mm-hmm. large. Yeah. People cooked with it, they lubricated, they did yeah. everything with it, and they they made more money on the fat than the meat. And I think yeah. there there is something to that. And I don't know. One of the other sustainable challenge things that people have thrown at me is, well, you can't if you're going to eat 70 percent of your calories from fat, you're not going to be able to do it because, you know, 70 percent of the cow is in fat. You've never cut up a cow. then, And yeah. you're not familiar with the concept of we're not talking about volume. We're talking about calories and how much yeah. more calorically dense. Yeah. The yeah. fat portion is then the lean portion because it's... Yeah, fat. I dare
1: you to eat a half a pound of fat.
0: I, yeah, you won't. <laughs> you won't. You won't. <laughs> like You know, even like we we both like butter, obviously, right? Yeah. Like, I, I always tell people like, you'll sit down. You'll tell me I'm going to clog my arteries eating butter, right? When I'm dropping some like... I'll make like a compound butter with like black pepper, sage, and garlic. Mm.
1: I'll take yeah, a big yeah.
0: pat of that and throw that on top of my seared... Ribeye, die. And then that person will turn around and eat a whole stick of freaking butter wrapped up in bread. Right. And I'm like, you'll never eat that stick of butter without the bread. And that's something like when people are asking about snacks and all. A lot of times, what a person will say is, "Well, I feel hungry. I want a snack." And you say, "Well, go eat some. There's some leftover beef. Go eat that." Well, I don't want it. Well, then you're not actually hungry. You have this habit you've formed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And this is why like people will sit around, they'll eat a meal at a restaurant. They're awful. Well, I can't eat anymore. Waiter comes over with a dessert cart. Well, I could eat that. <laughs> right? And it's because we're wired sure. for this because you didn't used to go to the Piggly Wiggly or Albertsons to get your food. You had to go yeah. out and get it and high density carbohydrate sugar before agriculture, exceedingly rare very seasonal and very highly available before fall. Mm-hmm. To put like it was a natural thing for us as a survival, like a bear. You put fat on and you lean out through the winter and then you put it on again. And this was also like a vitamin D battery that we had. Well now we can eat whenever we want, but we still have this innate high hardwired thing. And then the other thing that's really rare in nature, high fat and high carbohydrate at the same time. Right. This, yeah. this is almost never you almost never see that free agriculture. So yeah. ancestrally, we're not supposed to eat that way. Sure. We're just not. But if you look at like all the crap people eat, it's it's not just high carb. It's high fat. And then even worse, now, at least like when my grandma did it, it was lard, right, or butter in the cake right and now it's seed oils in the yeah. cake that's gmo yeah. modified yeah. grain and and then it's laden with toxins and we wonder why we have chronic disease in our country
1: mm. yeah seed oils with no long term track record of anything but no. just disease and disaster and 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 totally and seed oils completely and totally unsustainable right yep. completely and totally GMO, uh, toxic, you know, as far as even production, production and distribution in plastic bottles and the whole nine. I mean, everything about seed oils is just like toxic waste.
0: Oh, it is. And and it's not just the oils, too. It's even the grains. So, like, you know, and I learned early on as I was studying permaculture, just stop questioning Bill Mollison when he said something like just it is or he wouldn't say it. But this is one that when I heard I didn't believe it. And I had to do research and he was right. He said that like all the way up until the twenties and even the thirties and far back as we had the ability to test wheat in the United States and in much of Europe had to be over a certain percentage of protein or it could not Mm. be sold for human consumption. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And then he's like, and we didn't harvest the way we did. He said, if you see the old imagery of like all the wheat standing in sheaths in the field, and you think that that was something that they just did because that's how they did it. It wasn't. When you stack all that dried grain together, if you go in there a couple days in and put your hand in there, it'll be warm. It ferments. Mm-hmm. And that, that wow. wheat had to be over a certain protein, had to be harvested at the right time, and had to be fermented in the field in those sheaths before it was thresh or it wasn't for people to eat. Wow. Now, I still think a ribeye is better than that but that's <laughs> how far we've come and not, yeah. we're talking a hundred years. Exactly. We've left that. And that was, again, one of those Bill Mollison things, you're like, Bill shit. The old man's crazy. And you go look at it. If you dig long enough and hard enough, you're like, Oh, okay, Bill. And like I said, Bill wore you out. Jeff Lott and his main protege said the same thing. He just wore you out with facts where you're just like, yeah, okay. I give up. I, I, I quit, you know? Um, the other thing is like just the ancestral appropriateness. Like we were saying, if you go back prior to modern agriculture, which is about 10,000 years old now, um, meaning we plow fields and plant one thing, there's no way you're going to survive on carbohydrates.
1: Right. It's, it, it's survival no.
0: food only. People always bring up Native Americans and acorns. I'm like, so you've never detanninized acorn before? Because if you do it, you'll see that it would be something you would only do because you needed a emergency fallback, because it is a laborious process. Because the, the the highest quality acorn for a human to eat still is incredibly bitter if a human tries to eat it. So there's this. It's like five or five to eight washings to wow. detanninize this, you know, acorn mm-hmm. flour. So stuff like that was uh was not really heavily used. Like the places people ate a lot of vegetation was like. In the tropics, like the further you go from the equator, the more carnivore yeah. the ancestral diet is. And the number one thing, I did a ton of research a couple of years ago, and you think it's all, you know, buffalo and spears and stuff. The number one thing that settlements ate as we began to create settlements was shellfish. Right. Yeah. Which is high in fat and cholesterol, by the way, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> almost no carbs. And it's because I don't know if you've ever hunted mussels and oysters, but they don't run away. No, they don't. Very easy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, whoever ate the first one was brave, but once you see somebody else do it, they taste pretty good, right? Like, the first person ate a raw oyster, I got to say, gave humanity a gift. I wouldn't do it if nobody else like, Hey, look at this. It's the big booger. Eat it. No, nah, man. Billy ate it. You know, Billy only ate it. He goes, That's pretty good. You know, a, a cascade event. Like, This is just ancestrally how we ate. But you also mentioned that on top of everything else, reducing waste, making prepping easier, health improvement, it's also helped make you guys cash flow positive. Is that because your supply keeps getting drained by your customers?
1: Yeah. You know, we we – because of this microprocessor and the ease in and out, we, we put it out there. We said, Hey, if you're in the northeast Texas area, yeah. check out our website, you know, put down a deposit, we'll email you with you know, when the processing and yep. and we'll meet up for a and, and that's what's even been greater than being cash flow positive is getting to meet our mm. customers yep. and hearing their story and so many of them that are going carnivore, changing yeah. their diet. Um, starting to, like, homestead and be self-sufficient. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was so incredible. You know, we, we've developed some uh, other products. Um, we have a website with, we like, honey and coffees and teas yeah. and different things. Um, because of the fruit trees in the fall, we have something called a food farce in a box where we sell cuttings that you can root. But, you know, these are all just, like, ancillary things that we were trying to create, uh, cash flow. Yeah. But now that we have that we sell the beef. I mean, we're selling it in quarters, halves, or holes. Yeah. And we do a we do a bulk pickup, so we all meet like after it's processed and ready. So it it reduces our cost and it increases our profit yeah. margin where we're making a real yeah we're net act- positive yeah, cash flow.
2: Yeah, we're actually able to afford buying hay for the winter. Yeah. For all our cows, we're actually able to pay for the rabbit manure and different things, uh, different supplements that we get sprayed on the fields and um, and grass seed and different things that I want to start exploring more with on our fields and everything like that. And just trying to grow uh, our topsoil over there, which has been um, replenished over several years you know, decades and hundreds of years. So, um, because everybody around us uses Roundup and herbicides Mm. and pesticides and we haven't ever done it. And, um, all we do is once or twice a year, we do cut down our goat weeds. Um, and we just got our goat weeds cut down for the second time this year and it's perfectly fine. The longhorns aren't bothered by it. Um, also to increase our fat, with our longhorns, we put out a, um, Herford, a mini Herford bull out there. Um, but we're still, uh, playing around with what type of, uh, beef cows we we want to get. But we're, I, I'm pretty much dead set on the belted Galloways for our next herd. We got a, we just, uh, got a 40 acre lease and we're going to be starting to, um, get that all ready and, uh, we would like to get our herd size up to about thirty six cow mama cows so we can produce about three uh
1: cows a month yeah, so, and if you want to talk about our lease that we were able to procure, it's fascinating because you know people say i don't have the land, you know, and obviously now, for some reason, land in Texas is at a minimum ten thousand dollars an acre dude,
0: it's ridiculous it's, it's so ridiculous, ridiculous. I' talking a guy I bought my first house in my twenties. In the Dallas Fort Worth area, three Ooh. bedroom, two bath. It was a subdivision house, but it was a good size uh-huh. lot. Eighty four thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly. And I'm old, but I'm not that freaking old. I'm not a boomer for nothing. Right? <laughs> I'm only a few years older than you are, you know. Um, and, and and you look at it now and just go, this is dumb. This is too many people. It's like, dude, I know I want people to walk the freedom, but stop coming here from California. And, and yeah. what well, you do, check. The real estate prices before you buy something. Right. right? Like, don't, 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 oh my God, it's only $300,000. Yeah, it was one hundred and fifty dollars last year. Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, but <laughs>
0: leasing <laughs> land is a hell of a way to go because how much land do you guys actually own versus how much do you lease? So, right
1: now, we own tw- tw- uh, about, 50, 50. Yep. about 50 acres. We, and we've procured that over the past 10 years, yep. kind of bootstrapped and uh we were able to lease 40 friends of ours um they have about 110 acres and they, they just run, bought yeah it. they just bought it they run yeah. a couple cows but um we went out there and we met with them and we said hey you know uh it, this is pasture you know you want to maintain your ag exemption for tax purposes you know if we would work the fence may, maybe add some fencing or cross fencing and do all this and put our and put cows out here you're going to continue to qualify for your ag you know we're going to run cows and we'll work out like a barter deal i mean in essence we're leasing that land for nothing you know we're going to run some fence and different things and it's going to count as a, you know we're basically leasing 40 acres for about $2000 a year with any type of improvements we do to it are going to count against our rent yeah so i mean relatively speaking we're leasing the land for sweat equity. Yeah, at forty acres, you know that has a that has a real cash current market cash value of four hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Has a
2: pond on it and a creek on it too.
1: Yep, yep, multiple water sources and it's relatively costing us nothing but effort. Yep. Yeah, so there a-
0: are
1: good. Yeah, there are solutions like that where, you know, just thinking like if we had to buy 40 acres right now, it would cost us about 400 grand. And then it would cost us probably about 15,000 to fence it and put the yeah. appropriate gates and everything. And, and I, we I've learned the
0: hard way you don't get to deduct that all in one year. You have to depreciate that across time. But when I'm leasing land and you know, I'm installing temporary infrastructure, I have full on expenses on that schedule.
1: Yep, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. And that's huge. And so. What I tell people is if you really want to do this. Now, be sure you really want to do this. Right. Because it is work. It is an investment. It is time consuming yeah. to a degree. And I agree with you. Farming cattle, ranching cattle is less time consuming than you know pasturing chicken. I guarantee you it is. Um, but there is a commitment to it. But drive around and look for a big open space with grass that doesn't have cattle on it or has like two cows standing under one tree and there's 40 acres. Go find yeah. out who owns it. And that stuff's sitting there idle. He's probably paying somebody to bush hog it a few times a year.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, you're right.
0: He does want to maintain his exemption, right? Mm -hmm. Go look for the guy that has no cows and a bunch of round bales sitting there rotting. That dude is putting them round bales there to rot because his hay's crap and he knows it, but the ag guy comes around once every year and goes, oh, he's growing hay, checks it off, and he keeps his Mm -hmm. exemption. Go talk to somebody like that and say, look, I won't put cows on your property. I'll manage them, and I'll pay you. Yeah. Because even with his act exemption, he's paying taxes.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Right. So I'm basically saying I'll pay your taxes and make your land better. And if you don't like me, throw me out. Right. And then don't get yourself thrown out. I've also seen some of like Joel Salton's, Salton's videos where he's talking about how like I can basically turn 40 acres into 80 I put in the just temporary fencing and stuff in and putting in stock tanks so that mm-hmm. one stock tank serves four paddocks. And if you got mm-hmm. a pond, you put in a pump and pump water to your stock tank and like all of a sudden they're able to put more animals on the same amount of land. And if something happens with the lease, all the infrastructure is basically portable mm-hmm. except a yeah. few things. And you just, the farm is not the land. The farm is the brand the animals, and the customer base. And yeah. this is where I think many people don't understand. Farming is a business, and it has to be treated like a business. And when you see it that way, you don't even really want to own that much land. I think one of the best ranchers I know, now he's gone all to sheep uh, because he's determined as he's getting older it's easier to deal with smaller animals, is Greg Judy. Mm-hmm. And he's managing like 3,500 acres. He owns 80 and he only owns eighty because one of the guys that he was leasing sixty from when he died willed it to him. His actual homestead wow. is twenty <laughs> acres, and he's managing uh, thirty five hundred acres in Missouri. Wow. Yes. Yeah, and and he's like, that. no, I don't want to own thirty five hundred acres. I have to pay for it all. And when they asked him, right. well, I love it. <laughs> Justin Rhodes did an interview with him, and he was asking him like, why doesn't he do sheep to produce wool? And he, he's so matter of fact, he's like, so let me explain it to you. It costs more money to pull the wool off the sheep. Than you get for the wool. Why in the hell would you do that, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you just have nothing, right? You know, you, just, you don't have anything at that point. Like, well, no, I, that doesn't make any sense. I wouldn't do that, you know. And maybe a small operation could make some money on wool, but when you're dealing with the the number of animals he's dealing with,
1: yeah. And you bring up a great you bring up a great point. You know, so so much of ranching and agriculture, right, where we've mono monode everything out right like even standard ranching you know you run so many cows because you need to run a 600 head because you need this many calves because they're going to get this much at the sale barn right and you're doing it in this conventional fashion where is if you could if there was a microprocessor, this is the kind of stuff that Texas Slim, I know you had Texas Slim on. Yeah. He's working on creating this network of microprocessors. And all all that's going to do is make the average rancher p- truly profitable. And we've just experienced that. Here we are, we're a family of eight. We 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 try, fail, adjust. We, you know, we 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 read a lot. We listen a lot. Uh, we ask lots of questions, but we don't. I mean, we we don't truly know anything. We're not experts in anything, and we've just, you know, uh, opportunity met some preparedness. You know, we had some cows. This opportunity popped up. This microprocessor popped up. Hey, we could sell a cow, and we offered it. We made an offer to the market, and it was like, yeah, hey, we want that, right? Yeah, and now. People that really don't know that much that are just trying, you know, yeah. we're just all we're doing is trying, yep. and we're turning a profit. And now we're bootstrapping. We're going to cash flow, expand. The boys bought an F three fifty. They bought a twenty four foot um, stock trailer, goose neck trailer. Installed yep. the installed the recess hitch themselves. at all the yep. they do all that stuff themselves. They round the cows up themselves. We have horses, so they cowboy yep. a little bit. They round the cows up. They move them. They transport them. They take them to the processor. They and so we're developing. We're actually doing a beef pickup today, yeah. so that I had to stay home
2: and mom had to go with James and Buddy, and that's actually do happening the beef right pickup. now. Yeah, yeah, so we're
1: we're we're making money yeah. right now, and we're developing uh, children that are uh, autodidacts or polymaths or whatever, and they just learn. Hey, we want to try this. Okay, they got a go mobile. Yeah. They got a mobile sawmill. They bought that with their own money from the YouTube channel. They're milling wood right now. They were milling wood yesterday. Yeah,
2: milled up uh,
1: five or six
2: logs, and we converted our manual mill that you would have to push by hand, and uh, now it's remote-controlled because we uh, mounted a winch on it and a um, DC electrical converter on it, and then you can adjust the speed and timing and everything like that. So instead of spending like $50,000 on some crazy fancy sawmill, uh, we spent like, like one fifth. And,
1: and I just want to get the word yeah. out for the future. You know, yeah. we're, we're trying to be the solution, raise the solution. You know, your, your episode yesterday about the intentional destruction of Western society. Mm. I mean, our intention with life is to literally be the opposite of that. So absolutely. Um,
0: I just heard more solutions in three minutes from you then I've heard any politician give in three hours.
1: Exactly.
0: Be yeah. the right? Like All B. this bullshit, and like, okay, look, here, you take the cow, you put it on the grass, you eat the cow, you sell the cow, you make money, you don't pay as much in taxes, you improve the land, you grow trees, you mill the sawmill, you use the sawmill to mill the lumber so you can produce, you grow more trees. Cows like trees because they give you shade. You can grow mass trees to help feed the cows. Like, there's, it just, it cascades. It just yeah. continues to cascade because I think the sawmill thing—that's one of the best investments a person can make. I saw a pretty high-end one at Self Reliance Festival last year, and I was like, "Man, I see why some people that don't have the money to buy one, or they don't want to be in that business or do that thing, but they have land with yeah. timber on it and they want to build—they just hire somebody to bring it in and mill for it. Yeah, them. yeah.
1: Yep. yep. And they bought—they have the mobile kit and they that's do right. mobile that's milling. That's what we do. Yeah, yep.
0: Mobile yep. mills do all yep. that stuff. I, what was what was the cost of y'all's mill? If you don't
2: mind, cost of our mill in all, like all said and now. Now I just bought the mobile sawmill package. All said and done, it was about ten yeah, thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, because, because with the mobile kit. with yeah. the mobile kit, because That's I not thought bad I, at all. The sawmill was about six, five to six, mm-hmm. and okay. then the mobile trailer unit with an extra like um five foot track on it so we can mill up to like 16 foot long lumber on a mobile unit uh yeah it's about ten thousand
1: and at the time they bought it from woodland mills they had to pay for it in advance and it was like a six or eight month lead time so they they had to shell out like six grand and then wait for like eight months for them to deliver which was a Blessing in disguise because all of
2: the prices on their head skyrocketed. Yeah, because the like, guy
0: that had the one in yeah. Tennessee was—I asked him—he was about sixty grand. Yeah. Wow, yeah, so it was it's almost automated. completely automated. Yeah. Like he we was just sitting there, running like joystick, yeah. like picking the trees yeah. uh-huh. up and rotating them, yeah. 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 and yeah. That's, that's crazy. yeah and I watched crazy. him go through just a pile of stuff in about half an hour, and it yeah. was—I like, was like a kid watching another kid play a video game. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm just yeah. sitting there and he's like, yeah, I'm going to make a 4 by 4 out of this piece and I'm going to cut Ooh. some, like, and just, <laughs> just flowing through it. And it was like, yeah. this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And I do think it's an incredible opportunity because there's a lot of, as expensive as land has gotten, the kind of land, you know, like ag land and stuff, people that want to live just in a homestead or whatever, there's a lot of land that's uncleared. Yeah, yeah, and people see that as a detriment. That is an asset if that can be Last turned into lumber in that can build a structure.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely, and I think we're going to have to it's start stupid. thinking this way because things are getting stupid expensive. And yeah. I mean, my wife and I just extended the lease on our truck because the cost of buying it is stupid. Mm, yeah. Like when the, the and I've dealt with the same guy, so he knows I'm not pulling his leg or nothing. I'm like, you give me a decent deal on it, I'll buy it and, st- and convert it to a purchase. He said we want twenty seven thousand for it. I said, no problem. He goes, well, uh, the payment on that's going to be five hundred and forty dollars for seventy to die. Stop. We'll just extend the lease, and I'll figure out something else in six months from now. And I'm not even. You don't have to say another word. He said, well, I know you're upset. I'm like, no, I'm not upset. I'm not mad. You're just doing math. I had my wife check with our bank, and it was like the same payment for five years instead of six years. And I'm like, no, I'm not taking a two year old vehicle and financing it for five years. Hmm. At 500 and something dollars. A month. No, no. Well, I can yeah. convert the lease and continue to pay. I think we're paying like 240 bucks <laughs> exactly on the yeah. lease. Cause it's a two year old lease when they all drop their pants during COVID. And it's like, and it's, I'm thinking what I could do if I really wanted to, I could write a check and buy the truck. I don't want mm-hmm. it that bad. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right. People can't. And I just did this with my son. My son's in his thirties and they have good credit. Good income. My my daughter in law wrecked her vehicle; it got totaled. She walked away with a check for six thousand bucks, and they're like willing to put a hundred percent of it down, and we ended up co signing to get them a reasonable payment on their vehicle. And like this is going to crush people. That's a vehicle, and these are not people with bad credit; these are not people with poor income levels. But it's just crushing, like you know, trying to run, roll, you know, raise a family and all. He was. Yeah. Like, so excited when he figured out how much money he could get for his house. So he figured, like, well, what can you buy? And basically, you can buy the same house with yep. a higher payment. That's what you can buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. these interest rates are going to be unreal, and they're claiming that they're going to cut rates, and I don't know what that's going to do with hyperinflation. I mean, it's it's going to be a interesting
0: future <laughs> there there's a point where they have to pivot but when people tell me what's well, soon i'm like so you're younger than me so you don't remember the 80s and you don't remember people paying 18 freaking percent on mortgage Yep. Yeah. our, so our first ahead.
1: mortgage our first mortgage was in 19 uh, 2000 and it was 9.99 yeah. yeah. percent yeah
0: my first house i think the mortgage rate on it was like seven and a half You know, and it's not far off that right now. So it's not like the interest rate is unreasonably high. They cut it so low, they force the underlying price up, and then when you bring the interest rate back, the cost of ownership is ridiculous. Because like I said, I had no problem with the price of the truck. I had a problem with the financing of the truck. I'm like, dude, I'm in my fifties. I've got like, I'm like ten points from a perfect credit score. Wow. I this is the fourth vehicle that I financed with you people. How is this a thing? And, and Barry, right. our guy's just like, I'm sorry. It, it, I'm like, you don't have to apologize. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask you yeah. why is it your fault? I asked you, how is this a thing? Like, how are we doing this? And he's like, this is what I'm stuck with with everybody right now. And he said, our lot's still half empty. We're mm-hmm. still selling vehicles. Like Cause people have to. Yeah. Like if you think if you're a regular person with a regular job, you have to have a car. Yeah, yep. you have to like this is not this is not in the Netherlands. You can't just jump on a train and go to work anywhere, especially in Texas or Nebraska or Florida or something. You, you know, most people drive 30, 40 minutes to work.
1: We we just had a neighbor, you know, our van broke down. He gave us a ride home in his uh, quad cab King Ranch. S3, and this 50. was a 450. Yeah, this was a one hundred and ten thousand dollar truck. He was a hot shotter. So that was what he did for work. It was a yeah. twenty twenty two. He had put a or sixty thousand miles on it and he had went back uh changed went back to the oil field and he's like, Man, I got this truck mm-hmm. with a fourteen hundred dollar payment. Um when he was hot shotting his his insurance was twenty five hundred a month, right? Now he's changed professions, he's still got this truck payment. Yep. I, I mean how
0: unsustainable is yes. this it, it's Four- so People are buying Ford pickups for what you could buy a freaking Lamborghini or a Ferrari for 12 years ago. Yeah. yeah, right. Think about yeah. it that way. Yeah. Like you see I, a dude with a Ferrari or something. You're like, wow, man, this dude's rolling. And then you got rednecks driving around in pickup trucks that cost as much as that <laughs> thing did a yeah. little more than a decade ago.
1: Yeah. We bought our fixer upper homestead on five acres about 10 years ago for $77,000. And guys are rolling in trucks that cost more than that,
0: yeah, yeah oh, d- definitely people are buying pickup trucks for more than my first house, yeah I mean it it, mobile homes are expensive I don't mean necessarily busted up, but I mean like you used to be able to go out to like if you want if you were willing to live in a mobile home, you go and show me show me the best, biggest, baddest ass thing you have, like premium everything and they would show you something for like 135 and you go, do you have anything? No, that's it. That's the most we have, you know, and and now you can't buy a freaking single life for that. It's, yeah. nope. it's, it's yeah. it's crazy what's happened. And you guys are talking about solutions to this lease land, grow animals, eat the animals, sell the animal. Right. And then start building yeah. out other revenue streams. Like you guys with the sawmill. What are some other plans that you guys have? Um,
2: well also, um, with us boys, we started our own uh, construction company, too. Cool. So I've been doing really, really good. Brilliant. Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, we only have one ad for it, and uh, it keeps us super busy. So
1: on Craigslist.
2: On Craigslist. On Craigslist. Just like <laughs> keeps us plenty busy. Um, I'm kind of scared to make uh, signs and start putting out
0: our cards, but I already am. But because um, you'll run into what the problem is, right? the problem is that, like, if I have more business, I can hire more people. But when you hire people, you find out most people suck. They're terrible. Yeah, yeah exactly. These exactly. are awful. You got to, yeah, like, hire terrible. three, immediately fire two so the other one's terrified. <laughs> right. And then you torture <laughs> him, and if he makes it six months, then <laughs> you yeah. hire another three. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you so. actually should have yeah. a couple people you can hire just to fire. Like they have another job or something and they just <laughs> show up. And like at the end of the first day, you're like the hell out of here. And the other one's like, Oh my God, that's <laughs> <laughs> like the only way to like incentivize. And that doesn't even work anymore. I don't think no, that,
2: it you know. It doesn't. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. yeah. And it, the guy that's perfect is the guy that has an entrepreneurial bent. And the problem is they eventually mm. leave and go do their own thing. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You yeah. can find, you know, one in a hundred will be that guy. He'll treat your business like it's his own, but he doesn't want the hassle of running a business. Exactly. And when you find that guy, you have to like treat him like a little demigod, like you know, mm-hmm. like whatever you need, take care of him, and that way you can throw him helpers, and he can run a job for you. I have one of my best friends had a guy like that working for him, and his name was Toby, and this was a dude. A guy took off with a truck down on a, a job by the border, went into Mexico, no idea where he went. And 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 my buddy's like, I need the truck back. And nine hours later, Toby drove the truck back onto the site. Like what? found a truck in the middle of nowhere, Mexico, went and got it, you know, and basically had to like put a gun to somebody's head to get the truck back. And like, <laughs> you don't get a lot of those. No. There are not a lot of those <laughs> out there, man. Um, what are some other plans you have for the, the homestead?
2: Uh, mainly just building all of our houses on land. Cool. Uh, we're really excited to do that, and uh, another project that we're about to finish up is our firewood um, station, like a shed. Actually, um, the past couple of years of burning firewood have been kind of rough for us, and we've been—it's cu- a big learning experiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had it stacked up in rows and different things, but during the winter months, it's always just a little bit more. Uh, there's a good bit more rain and different things like that and randomly snow. Mm-hmm. And it, in those colder conditions, it makes it really hard to burn firewood. So, uh, we're gonna have a covered, we have a almost covered shed. We have to put the tin up on it. Um, but we're gonna store all of our firewood in there. So prepping all the firewood for this year. Um, other plans, mainly, uh, getting that 40 acre lease. Uh, good yeah. and ready, bush hogging it down, getting sourcing the cows. Sor, sourcing all the cows. Um yeah. So just slowly but surely expanding just doing, the beef expanding yeah. the beefers. See yeah. what
0: the takeaway for that for people that want to do this is y'all didn't go do all this at once. You did a thing. No. You mastered it. And then yeah. you did another thing and then you mastered that. And then you learned when you screwed exactly. up and then you fixed it. And then when it was stabilized and profitable, then you do another thing. And then there's a point where you stop doing new things. And yeah. you do the thing that makes money, you do more of it.
2: That's what you
0: and do. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, I'm going to do this and that and this and that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do nothing in the end because you're going to run yep. around like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Yep. You'll never That's finish anything. I'm bad about that. I'm a starter <laughs> I like to experiment with stuff hey, and play with stuff. It's easy
2: to start projects, you know. Yeah. Super easy.
0: But yeah. but bolting them down is the key to success. Mm, yeah.
2: um,
0: so then with all this though, you guys did start a podcast. What made you do that? Yeah.
2: Well, mainly because we were getting censored so dang bad on YouTube. Yeah. You. And we were like we were get, we have like five or six strikes now on mm-hmm. YouTube. And we were able to get them perfectly, uh, just right enough that they didn't totally vaporize the channel. Yeah. Um, actually, Dad just went through YouTube training and. Uh, he got reeducated. He got reeducated. <laughs> and <laughs> Ned, so now, magically, our warning go. is going to disappear since he yeah. went through YouTube I, training. I
1: went through a reeducation camp. Yeah. Oh. And I the questions properly. Good
0: job. Yeah, it makes me think of there's an episode of The Simpsons where it's like a 1984 thing, but Ned Flanders is the uh, <laughs> overlord, and they call it re education. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> why did why The Simpsons have to be predictive programming for, like, everything to happen? Yeah. It's so scary. <laughs> oh, I was man.
0: listening to a dude that just got banned, and he mm. said, honestly, before they banned him, they made him an offer to basically... Make his cha- channel into like a million dollar revenue stream, Whoa, but he had to brilliant. do these certain things. His uh, his uh-huh. name's he's a wow. Scott Ritter. He's a former UN's weapons inspector.
2: Interesting. And huh. he
0: basically, when he looked at all that they wanted him to do and what they wanted him to not do, he said no. Mm-hmm. And then not long after that, they terminated his channel. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's so, you know because. We- We're trying, you know. We did the Odyssey thing, and then the SEC smashed down on Library Coin and effectively destroyed that because that was a great option. Yeah, I mean Odyssey Odyssey was a great option. Yeah, LBC was a we were it was great. Yeah, and then they destroyed that. You know, we've tried this Rumble thing. Rumble only heats you if you live stream. Yeah, yeah. So. And it's just there's not there's no type of organic traction there at all.
0: You don't make any money on Rumble no. unless yep. you're dumb and you let a monetize like. So I live stream to Rumble, but I also have my channel auto migrate to Rumble. Yeah. Okay. There's a way that you could put all your content on Rumble, and they'll migrate it to your YouTube channel and manage your YouTube revenue for a split for you. I'm sorry, I'm not giving 25% of my YouTube revenue up. For you yeah. to automatically get it because I said you could have it because that's right. all. Exactly. You're not managing anything. Like no. yeah. Rumble just doesn't have a good monetization model. That's yeah. that's the yeah. problem yeah. with Rumble. Yeah. But like you said, podcasting has been the one place that largely has been left alone. Yeah. I have I have, I have been through the PP smack from from YouTube a lot. I have been mm-hmm. to the edge of oblivion myself over the years, and I have never had Apple take down a podcast. Huh. So oh, and I okay. fear if Apple's not gonna do it, nobody's right. gonna like the first, yeah. first the first group I would expect in that space Apple. to lay me out would be and I have not I mean I went deep into the covades and all the stuff and I immediately got just you know gobsmacked in the face by by YouTube and Apple did nothing. Yeah. You know.
2: And for people so, that are interested in uh checking out our podcast, it's called The Fearless Podcast. Um, and we're pretty much on every pod player
1: out yeah. there. We're on the Fountain app. I love the Fountain okay. app. I love the, right. the stats and the being able to communicate back and forth. It is a great, I love the whole model, uh, podcasting 2.0. So, yeah, we're on the Fountain app. It's cool.
0: That's great. And, and everybody should be. I just had a question come in while you guys were uh, here with me. And somebody wants to know, how do I, like when we do the expert council segments, how do we send uh, stats to the expert council? I'm like, tell them to get their ass on Fountain. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. how. That's I how mean. get them on Fountain, right? You know, like, because uh, yeah. I can even do, sh- you know, you can do splits as long as somebody has a Fountain account, even if they don't have a podcast. When you have a guest, oh, uh, cool. if they have a Fountain account, you can say, uh, give 30% of all boosts and streams to this guest. But oh, they have have a Fountain account, or you can't. And okay. it's automatic. It's like, as they, like, when somebody's streaming, it literally splits as it streams. It's not like that you have a spam or anything. It. And since you never touch the money, you don't have to, like, you know, something like you have a big hit, you wouldn't have to give somebody a 1099 or whatever. Like, it's, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, you made a yeah. fence post right that's oh, dude, it's cool. that is cool yeah yeah, yeah the uh, podcasting seems to be the last realm of total freedom for now anyway and we'll see yeah. hopefully it'll last yeah. um let's tell guys about your website i had i had your your youtube channel up let me get mm-hmm. that up again uh definitely people should yeah. subscribe to that they have all kinds of cool content you guys can see i subbed and Yeah, we've been been trying
2: to keep our channel diverse because YouTube loves to put us like pigeonhole people, and they've tried before. So we try to cover kind of everything, different topics that are going on in the world, Uh, and then carnivore, the carnivore diet. I love making that thumbnail of Bill Gates holding a chainsaw. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) I love Photoshop, so I was like, Bill Gates holding a chainsaw, let's go ahead
0: and- uh, I'm surprised this one's still off. Lessons from the Unabomber. Yeah, for real. Somebody'll shriek right now. You know, hey, <laughs> I didn't say he was the greatest <laughs> guy in the world. I said some of the things he said made sense. Yep. yep. And they make more sense today than they did when he said them, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then on the Texasboys.com, that's our little family's uh farm shop, and we sell uh unvaccinated uh unpasteurized uh honey and that's all locally sourced here from Texas and then also we have our um locally roasted uh coffee several different coffee lines um and then also we have our organic cbd coffee and organic lions main coffee and um and then also with our candles we have non toxic candles too
0: very, very cool, guys. You guys are yeah. going to do plenty of stuff. I don't know, you need yeah. to do more. Like you said, keep yeah. doing what works and do it better and do more of yeah. it because it's awesome. I will yeah. make sure that there are links to your website, your YouTube channel, so basically everything you sent me. I think I have your rumble on there. Anything you sent, I have already in the audio notes for people sure. watching the video. If you're watching it live, there's a link down there. If you click it right now, it won't work. We're not done yet. Uh, about 30 minutes from the time the live ends. Anytime after that, you click that link, you go over to where the audio is available. Uh, there'll be links to everything that they have, everything that I talked about today and more. And, guys, man, I really appreciate you being with us today. Uh, it was Thanks a pleasure talking to both of you. And let me say yeah, uh, that to you, young man, you present yourself very well for your age.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, you. Really you.
0: Proud. you, sir, TD, should be proud of him. And I know you are.
1: Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. We we really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. I know I did. I want to remind you real quick here at the end. If you like what we do and you want to help support us, one of the ways you can do that is do your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, com. Very easy to remember. Today's item of the day is the Streamlight MicroStream uh, Flashlight. I really love this thing because it uses AAA batteries, which are a stand you know, AA and AAA are like the 10 and 20 or 12 and 20 gauge shells of shotguns. They're everywhere. You can scrounge them and et cetera. But I recommended the regular MicroStream, which uses two batteries for like 10 years. And uh, Nicole Sauce told me she didn't like it. I was like, why not? She goes, well, it works great and all, but do you know that girl jeans have non-pockets? I'm like, the heck's a non-pocket? Apparently, girl jeans have very shallow pockets. So she carried this little compact light. And I'm like, well, I don't like o light, which is what she was carrying. But I like Streamlight. So uh, I found this thing. And then when I got this one, I figured I had one more really cool feature that the regular one didn't have. If you look at the clip on that light, you'll notice there's a regular, like, pocket clip or, you know, type thing. But then there's, like, it bends back over and there's a second little clip. You know what that does? It goes right on the brim of a cap. So you have a headlight and a flashlight in one, and that's really cool. Very bright, very cool. But the reason that I brought it around today isn't because it's just cool, because it's always in the stream. Like, it's on sale for 48% off today. So if you've been needing to pick up a new EDC light, this is the one for you. Again, I've been recommending his big brother for 10 years. I've been recommending this one for about four, 48% off. We talked about how expensive things are getting today. Never turn down a good deal when it's available. So check out this light. Check out tspaz.com. Consider becoming a member of the Survival Podcast, a member support brigade as well. That's the main way I pay the bills around here. Uh, uh, over the weekend, I ordered some new cannabis product from Acura Botanicals, one of our discount vendors. I saved 55 bucks on one order. That's a $50 a year membership. We have over 70 supporting vendors, so it's a membership that pays for itself. So do consider supporting us with that. We are, like we mentioned, Fountain. We are on Fountain. Uh, you can boost us there. You can stream sats to us. That's another way you can support us. And, of course, I'm on Noster, so we can uh, zap each other on Noster. So check out our links in the audio notes for all that good stuff with that. I appreciate you all tuning in today. Tomorrow will be a Just Jack show. Not even sure what we're going to talk about yet. Then we'll have an expert council show to round out the week. Take care, guys. I'll catch you again tomorrow with another episode. Are they going to bail you out just run you around? They said you should have a
2: house the American way. A
0: dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way.